welcome to the Recombobulator Lab with Jason Graham Nye and Chris Dominic. Hey Chris. Hey Jason. I absolutely love living in an urban environment. Most of the time I get around by walking, so I really shouldn't complain. Uh, okay, I, I know you're going to complain. Okay, it's it's the traffic and lousy parking. I mean, it's horrible, but you can't have it all, right? I'm sure you can. Save me your silly American excess. Get an electric trek. What the heck is an electric trek? It's a bike with an electric motor that can assist you when you want it to. I have one and I think of it as my urban assault vehicle. No hill will get in my way. A quick trip to the store, no need to get in the car. I ride over, put the contents on my waterproof saddlebag and off I go. That sounds amazing. So uh, what's the downside? Well, really it's just the drivers who presume the only thing that should be on the road are cars. It, it gets a little hairy when someone gets out of their car without looking and opens their car door right in your way. Ah, uh, got it. Nothing with the bike, though. No, no, no. The bike's awesome. Wear a helmet, though. I don't know. What about the helmet here? Yeah, you'll love it. But seriously, there are really, really clueless people out there. Get a helmet. Come to think of it, yeah, there are really, really clueless people out there. I can't wait to zip through Bondi Beach on my new trek. With the helmet? Yeah, it's been a helmet. Today, Jason and I were speaking with musician and creative coach Carrie Ockrey. Carrie fronted the Seattle band's Hammerbox and Goodness and then went on to contribute on vocals to the Rockfords with Pearl Jam's Mike McCready and a solo career. Welcome, Carrie. Hello. <laughs> so good to Thank have you, you here. So, so good. <laughs> Carrie, I want to jump in. I'm super looking forward to getting into the creative process part of your life, but I want to start as an Australian who was on the outside looking into the massive Seattle music scene in the 1990s. I can't help but wonder, was it as crazy and fun as it seemed? I mean, you've survived. It's fantastic, but was it crazy? <laughs> it was, yeah. I mean, it was magical. You got a small lumber, you know, like a lumber industry town that nobody cared about that then exploded into a musical center. And it's the kind of period where on any given day of the week, any club you went to was sold out. Oh, and man. yeah, so and it, it was a magical moment because it just seemed like all walks of life there were utilizing music as their outlet, the thing they went to go see on the weekend, you know, like a huge cross section of people. That's what they were doing. And then, you know, the grunge era exploded and it mm -hmm. just got even bigger. Yeah. You know, I remember the days when it was really fun to be able to just say, let's go to that show. And it wasn't that you necessarily even knew what was going to happen. You just we were like, well, that place tends to have book good bands and I have never heard of these people, but I bet at least one of them is going to be good. And those, those days seem long gone, but maybe they're not. Yeah. Well, it's definitely different. Yeah, it yeah. is not. It is not those days anymore for so many reasons in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, but you put up a, you bring up a really good point. Like, I love that you said you could look at a club like, say, the Crocodile, right? And say, mm -hmm. I know that they book good people, like, that you had that in mind. Like, that's how well curated and interested even the clubs were, right? Yeah. It, you would hang out. Mm -hmm. I was, I was reading David Byrne's book about music. I don't remember the exact title, but. Mm -hmm. He talks about how up until, I mean, he's always basically a couple times a week, maybe one, two times a week. He'll just walk down to his favorite local place and just get a beer and watch the band. Oh, cool. Of course, he's in New York. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's like you can probably find a place in New York where there's bands, no matter what. Something interesting is going on there, yeah. Uh, but you know what? I think Jason was plugging for stories. I want one good one. <laughs> You want just one good one? I want I want twenty. Well, there's a there's quite a few. <laughs> 
pick the one that's suitable, maybe. Oh, right. <laughs> well, we could talk about like the clubs and how packed they were and stage diving. Oh, um, yeah. If you go out on YouTube and look for, there's a Hammerbox video of a show we did at a club called Rock Candy. Mm. And I don't know if you ever went to Rock Candy, but it was an old post office, apparently. And, but a great place to play, right? It could feel like a really cozy microcosm in there. And if you watch that video, it's almost like there's two shows going on. You know, mm. it's us playing and every second there's someone getting on stage and jumping off <laughs> to the point where I, I just like one, I'm, I'm very much the show must go on. Right. Like, yeah. so you know, I'm singing away and literally dudes are just like up, down, up, down, up, down. At one point, someone literally sh- hits the mic into my mouth and like, Oh, and so, you know, you could get really mad. Actually, our guitar player got really mad. You'll all in that show video, you'll see, he literally puts his guitar down and jumps into the crowd because he's so angry. Like, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yeah, people are getting yeah. up on stage and stepping on his pedals yes, and you know, yeah. you can't even do a show. Mm, that is an interesting element of that because it's at some point you probably it's like this is really cool. Oh my god, we're doing really well. And then you're you're thinking, wait a minute, could we yeah. be anybody? I know. <laughs> exactly. You start to feel a little used. A yeah. little like, Am I just for Friday yeah. night? <laughs> is that, is that I am you? Oh, geez. Well, yeah, uh, as long as you didn't chip any teeth. <laughs> no, funny enough, I have been electrocuted before. Oh, yeah. I've oh. heard of this happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 there yeah. was a club in Milton, which is a tiny burg in between outside of Tacoma, and which is south of Seattle. And it was literally like, I don't know what it was, like a barn? I don't know. Mm. It was like a community center, but a lot of those are tiny with their wood floors and dancing, and people would come to eat, but they weren't necessarily geared for shows, but like everyone and their dog was trying to hold a show. So it was all ages, I think too, which means it's even more crammed and packed, but it was so hot and sweaty that like I was sweating so much that I kept having to like wipe my mouth before I got to the mic because it was arcing, like between the liquid and the mic and things weren't grounded that's the other thing like things weren't grounded oh that's not and good so, yeah. I've, heard, I've heard stories yeah. you know you don't want to be in the outdoor show in the <laughs> seattle <laughs> area in during the rainy season if you've got a bad yeah. electrician working on things that's You're a, done. Yeah. yeah that's it's a boom <laughs> okay well so carrie we talk about performance improvement a lot on the show uh mm-hmm. there's so many components to that i know but so i'm going to set this question up with an example so i talked to this friend of mine who's a guitar player and a singer in a band in the bay area for many years and we were sharing our touring experiences and I was fascinated to hear how he got energy from writing and the music itself but got little to nothing out of the live performance experience. Mm. So for you when you think of your experiences as vocalist musician, band member, songwriter recording artist live performer. I mean they're all different skills. They're all different things. Some of them get you up in the morning. Some of them don't. They just come with the job. What's on the soul filling list for you? What goes on the soul killing list for you you know like where does where do you rank them well playing live for me is like a healing moment mm-hmm. like it's communing with the humans and so it's and it's a physical outlet that you don't get every day like I always joke like when in my day now do I scream at the top of my lungs and run around and get sweaty in front of you know hundreds of people and <laughs> ever. <laughs> and so it's exhilarating because when you're up there also, you can do anything you want. Like right. that's some freedom right there. But you're also communing. It's not just you up there. It's you and the audience. And so that's a real high. And I find a very, can be a healing moment. Like, you know, shows, music is very healing. I get I like to record. I find, let's see. I mean, recording I like, but there's so much leading up to the recording, you know, like just laying down basic tracks and all of that. Mm -hmm. That is a total snooze for me. 
Yeah. Just like the yeah. drummer sound check is a total snooze oh, for me. Like oh, just yeah, tong, 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 you know, like no, yeah. I get really bored. Right. Uh, and I don't have an ear, like my ear doesn't last long mm. in recording. So people talk about when you're listening to something over and over again, your ear can go dead. Like you just mm-hmm. don't, can't differentiate. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of, when I get to do recording, I think I have more fun when I'm doing my solo stuff because it's my whole creation. And then I think the other thing that can be hard, I mean, there's good parts when you're part of a group and you could probably, I know you could speak to this. There's great moments of communing and there's full on irritation being a part of a group. <laughs> That's so true. It's so true. And everybody knows that. There's no yeah. secret there. I mean, everybody who's been in a band knows that it's the yeah. most awesome thing in so many ways, but there's times that are just rough. You know, it's interesting. The reason why I asked the question is because the guy that I was talking to, because he got nothing out of the experience, which was the complete opposite experience for me, yeah. which is like yeah. the energy is addictive as heck, mm. right? I mean, yeah. but not for him. He's like, I, you know, I don't, I could never get on a stage. It was just like something you had to do. I get that, especially if he's introverted. I think he probably is more of the, I think he was much more into writing and recording and the music itself. Yeah. Performance itself wasn't something he, he got really into. He, he liked rehearsing for a show. Right. Well, you know? and isn't that interesting? Like not everybody who does music is gunning for attention. Mm. No, he's, he did not at all. Wasn't Neil Pert like that? You know, I don't, he was like super introverted. You know, you know, I think I've heard stories like that. Mm-hmm. And I've heard stories of other people. I mean, Elliot Smith was famously mm-hmm. not that interested in doing anything other than oh the gosh. writing and recording. Mm-hmm. I got to tour with Elliot. Okay, well, oh, there's well, at least one more story. Come on. <laughs> there's so many stories. My <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah, so many stories. Yeah, we, myself and Danny Newcomb from, he's the guitar player, one of the guitar players in goodness. Mm-hmm. Him and I were kind of the main songwriters for a while went on a tour called pop chord hmm. and it was slim moon from kill rockstar records he, oh, was, yeah. he owned that label put together a tour with danny and i elliot smith sean krogan from cracker bash and tammy watson who was in kill sybil in seattle we all went down the west coast together in like literally a van together <laughs> just wow. heading on down the west coast so for about two weeks so i thought it was really interesting just to watch do you ever been around those people where you can just tell they have the thing oh yeah oh right? oh oh yeah come on anybody who denies that has not been around it yeah because once you you can f- feel that stuff. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And it really was true. Like his music was extraordinary, like haunting. Agreed. Like it was like, if you, you know, that's how I felt when I saw you saw Nirvana, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. not everybody loved Nirvana, but I mean, when I saw Nirvana for the first time, I was like, Oh yeah, that's going to be huge. Mm. (laughs) There's something about it. Same with Elliot. It was so haunting and unique, just his uh, picking style and all kinds of stuff. His, um, harmonies yet you could and people gravitated toward him oh I yeah think. but it's it's interesting because i've always said one of the things you can look for when you see the the that sort of they're just radiating and mm-hmm. nobody knows yes. why but there's something there yeah. you know really busy clubs where everybody's talking all the time uh, it, like somebody will start and then the people are still talking mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah you a guy like that is one of the people where as soon as they start even if they've never heard them before instantly people shut up yeah and yeah. you'll see some people stand up you'll see some people start walking toward the stage it's mm-hmm. fascinating to see people just kind of be like what is this mm. I, right because and part of the issue is if you have if you're really into music in particular but even if not if you're getting some sort of empathetic emotional reaction mm. from mm-hmm. what you're listening to it you can't help but be sort of like "Ooh, what is that that right. you know mm. i feel different mm. now 
Well, and if you know how to break up the sound of the room, like one way to like get attention is to go extremely quiet because people exactly. will notice eventually like, wait, what happened to the music? I'm like, oh, it's still happening. Mm. Like, oh. You know, now you kind of have to pay attention. They'll pay attention and stay there if they like what they hear. Otherwise, they'll go back to talking. But That's funny. We had a major league baseball umpire who came on and told yeah. us that was one of his techniques. When oh. somebody was yelling at him, he's like, mm-hmm. you don't always have to yell back. You know, if you get yeah. kind of quiet, it's really hard for them to just keep yelling Looking at dead you. Dead in the eye. <laughs> I think I've heard what you have to say, Ken. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. But I, you know, he was a really, he was very smart. And also at some point too, like he would do things like stop in the middle of a song and be like, yeah, I don't feel like playing that anymore. And I remember seeing him, I think we played the croc, crocodile cafe. And I remember, cause I'm super pragmatic, right? Like I'm not like, I'm never crazy or dark or something, you know, like that's not going to be my thing. It's just not me. I'm like, so he would do things like stop. And one time at the crocodile cafe, he stopped and I could it like came, it flew out of my mouth. I was like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> and he literally said on stage, he goes, sorry, Carrie. And I was just like, God, because you want to hear the song i was just like and well i also just get really like oh for god's sakes like finish this song like <laughs> like somebody's mom <laughs> get it together oh, man. Oh. <laughs> i want to understand how we go from seattle mid-90s to your current work in coaching well you know i feel like coaching recently you know i'd say about five years ago i in midlife, you know, started to feel that pull of what's next Mm. and what else might there be. And, you know, I did music for a living from like the age of 23 to 38, right? Like as a living, but that industry goes up and down. It's really hard. You know, you, you don't necessarily always want to stay in it. And so at some point in the last few years, I've been like, well, what else is there that feels truly natural to Mm. me and purposeful? And I, by nature, even as a kid, am someone who one wants to stick up for the underdog Mm. and all of that. But I'm also very I'm not risk adverse. I like change. I have courage to last for days, right? So if I can give that to someone mm-hmm. or teach them how to follow like their authentic voice, which I have done. I mean, if you look at my, anytime I've wanted to do something, I'll check my gut, you know, from, oh, I want to get out of the small town I live in. Okay. I'm going to go to the UW, you know, I'm going to go to college. And I don't, the kind of key is to not think about it so much. Just what do you you feel? So go there. Oh, now I want to go to France, learn French, did that. Okay. Come back. Okay. Now looks like this band thing's happening. I can sing. Let's try that. And so not everybody's like that. Right. And so I try to bring these practices and ideology of trust in yourself, understanding that you're a value and that you have all the answers on the inside and to trust and value that as opposed to just blow it off or get afraid or not understand it. Because I also think, especially in these days, like it's extremely important to be your authentic self. Like go figure out what that is and do that thing because all the other structures are, have the chance to break apart. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you think or you were raised to believe, because I think a lot of it can be teachings and programming, could be like, nope, the only way to success is that you, you know, leave, you go to college, you get the job, you make the money, you own the things, you have the 2.5 kids and get married. You know, like, here's mm-hmm. the structure I told success looks like. And I think all of that is bull. Like, yeah. no, that is not the truth. And yeah. I'm extremely interested in the truth or someone's truth. Right, right. And is there a go-to about how you coach people in terms of accessing their own truth? Is that a big, complicated kind of process for them? Or do you have different paths in? Yeah. Well, first, I'm always like, (laughs) I either have like the happy version or snotty version. I'm like, slow down, be quiet, listen and notice, Mm -hmm. like learn how to do that again. Be quiet. 
Like, listen to yourself, slow down, sit down, don't do anything and just listen, mm. you know, because everybody's going so yeah. fast. You can't hear your voice if you're thinking too much, going mm. too fast. I think it, it, the first thing you do is get a practice of sitting down. You know, uh, sometimes I call it meditation. Sometimes I'm just hold silent space mm. so that people don't get hung up on like, well, meditation, isn't that like where I'm supposed to empty my mind? I'm like, no, that's not. Yeah, it's so interesting. But if you can get silent and listen to yourself and also remember, like, remember what it feels like. Feelings, like remembering feelings is the shift. Remember when you were a kid or any time when you were a kid where there was something you loved that you got to do. Remember that feeling. Like, and then make friends with that again. Like, because I think a lot of people have forgotten that, mm. including myself at times. That's interesting. It's so interesting yeah. that we get disconnected from the feeling and the emotion because it feels like that's the ultimate mm -hmm. compass in terms of figuring out what the next move is and your point about noise is fascinating just that we reflect a lot on social media and how it's just it's just this distraction machine it's just wow do you oh, yeah. it's amazing and and we seem to be addicted to speed not the drug the the, the you know right. what i mean it's like that well some yeah. people are addicted to that's right <laughs> Right. Oh. I mean, it's a whole other thanks, story. Dr. Yeah. Dominic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no. I want to make sure we, we've got to tell the truth on That's this right. thing, you know? I mean, come on. But it's funny that I think we're addicted to busyness, right? We think that there's, there's yeah. this yeah. false sense of like, yeah. well, if I'm busy, I'm achieving something. But I think your work must be that your particular work around having people really slow down and stop and think and dwell. And in that, emotions can bubble up and you can get, you can go down a different route. It is funny that meditation gets such a bad rap because people are like, I can't meditate yeah. because I can't stop the thoughts. It's like, no, you missed the point. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it's a practice too. Mm. It's like, this is forever. This is a practice. You're never going to be perfect at that. Relax. You're never going to be perfect. No one is. I also think people are, feel safe in the busyness. Oh, mm. yeah. Oh, I mean, that's because, so true. You know, There's no time oh, for introspection yeah. or self-doubt. Yeah. Or Yeah, that's right. right. Oh, that's really true. Right. I mean, if you look at a lot of what the, the problems with, for example, addictions are, mm -hmm. is that they the reason why your friend who's addicted to whatever doesn't ever move forward in life is because they're not, they're deliberately not taking any time yeah. to be introspective or, or try and fix what's broken. They're, they're just trying to put it away because right. they can't take it. Yeah. And they don't know how, because we aren't taught how, right? Like when, especially when you start getting into midlife, big things start happening to you and no one, big things that no one ever gives someone a book on, like right. marriage, kids, death, mm -hmm. illness, like none of us have a book on that. And so you get in the middle of any of those and it's hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. At some point, yeah. it, those are some massively difficult things mm. that make that are dependencies, right? Yeah. Like you can't just walk away either. I mean, you can, but, but there's gone, you know, like that's good or bad. But I think that people then just get bogged down. And like you said, I think they cope and numb up mm. and mm -hmm. they can numb up with busyness or. Yeah. Yeah. alcohol, drugs, whatever. Because I also think that people think if I slow down and I let the unknown come up, I'm going to drown. Like it will never end. That's got to be at least how it feels to them, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, For I've heard a, a lot of people tell me stories like that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not true. That's not a truth. It just, it has to, it will end. It will morph. It will grow. You have to go through it. Mm. Yeah. So I really got into this too because my mo my mother died seven years ago mm -hmm. and my mother was the pinnacle person in my life, like the pillar. And it was sudden and it was out of nowhere. Oh God, this is big. Like, I don't, because I don't even know. I don't even know what this is going to be like. And surrender is a big thing. Mm -hmm. Surrendering yeah. is a gift. It's so, it's so good and it's so scary though, right? I mean, yeah. anytime you've, you've lost a parent... <sighs> 
it's the the thing that nobody tells you is that you're going to have one of these feelings sneak up mm. on you. A memory yeah. is going to pop mm. out on you and it's going to kick your butt and you're going to be mm-hmm. in some place where you really can't be just down on the ground trying not to heave crying mm. or something like that. Right. I mean, it's the that that is scary for people. I think people one because they've gotten so, so whomever has gotten so disconnected from themselves. They don't they they haven't really been with themselves mm. enough to know can they handle it, right? So the there's some real if you embrace it, if you embrace the not knowing and get kindness and compassion around that, mm-hmm. like amazing lessons can come out of it. Like compassion for yourself, mm. loosening of the rules in terms of like, yeah, I may start bawling in the middle of a, a meeting. Who, who cares? Yeah. My mom's dead. That takes, you know what I mean? Like breaking yeah. those rules, like that's a value. Like you're mm-hmm. in pain and that pain is true. Mm-hmm. And if you need to do whatever you need to do to process, mm-hmm. that should be honored and not somebody being embarrassed. It's a really good point. I wonder if we won't be more tolerant of yeah. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I, we just went through a year of Zoom meetings with people's cats joining them, <laughs> you know, and their, and their kids yeah. coming up. And it's like, and af- at first people were horrified and then- didn't you notice like two it's weeks? So good. Oh, this is kind of fun. Yeah. I like this. Like, I'd rather meet the cat. Yeah. You know, right. like nobody really wants to be all stiff in these meetings yeah. anyway. I, I wonder if we if we really might not go two steps forward on mm. this because, you know what? It's so weird. Well, what do you guys think? I mean, just owning companies, right? Like sometimes I look at work cultures and I feel like they're dismantling people's inner strength because now you've got to answer to the collective and the collective might not be so healthy, but that's the rule now. You know, like I'm working to the job. Job, right yep. or and the group of people work in that job and so where do you go in that like, yeah. where do you go you're abandoned yeah. right like when was the last time you just said what you wanted to say when- well it is a fascinating thing with it so you join a, a company and you know how do you show up every day and if you don't create a culture of everyone being able to fully show up every day then that's kind of problematic because you end up with kind of this dual identity thing where it's like well this is my work like right. that, that's kind of weird right right but it's as a leader it's um it's it's so much easier to be a dictator. Dictatorships are fantastic, but right? Amen. Amen. <laughs> but it's but but it's the complexity of the human condition that makes leadership such an exquisite thing to do. To understand how do I bring a group of people together on a journey? We're all running for the same goal. We're excited about the goal, and we want everyone to show up. And there's no dumb ideas. And the person who is sort of lowest on the totem pole's idea could be just as good as the person at the top. Right. All of that stuff requires deep intentional design and leading, and kind of like meditation. It is a, a lot Live process. You can't just sit, yeah. sit and forget. It's like every day, yeah. everyone's showing up. Right. That's pretty hard. Just to add on to that, I think part of the issue is you have to know your team mm. and you have to know who's who's Carrie. Like, is Carrie mm-hmm. the type of person? The big mistake is that there will set the rules and then everyone will abide by yeah. the rules. The reality right. is no good team is run that mm. way. There is going to be somebody mm. who, for example, really likes to have their personal life and their private life mm-hmm. fairly separate. And there's a bunch of other people who like to have that sucker blended mm. and you you can't have such an oppressive culture that you're like, we only do it this yeah. way, or we're all loose here, or mm. we just, we don't talk about family. Mm. I mean, you can't do that. Mm. You have to right. realize that, you know what? Carrie likes to speak her mind and we need to let her do that. Mm. And if it, if I start to realize that Carrie's the type of person who doesn't read the room very mm. well and she starts right. like making people upset, then we're going to have to work our way through mm. that because at some level, we got to have a happy little space where Carrie can be Carrie, but Carrie doesn't feel like she's entitled to be 100% Carrie 100% mm. of the time. Because otherwise, you know, that's right. going to necessarily slop over into other mm. people. Mm. I, I think that it's a weird trade-off because 
<laughs> I, you know, now I'm now I'm profiling you, but but the, the issue is some people are going to be like, but why don't I get to be a hundred percent of me all the time? And that's kind of like, yeah. well, you yeah. you are on a team, right? I mean, it's like it's a tough one. I mean, there's there's a sense of entitlement sometimes that that is that is sometimes kind of hard to fight, right? Don't you feel like it's a lot like a band or a family though, <laughs> like? I mean, and a lot of times the reason why um, people aren't comfortable with perceived conflict, mm-hmm. right? It's going to take some energy if someone's making you mad to say like, hey, I'm not really comfortable with that. Hey, you know, whatever. And not and not have it be a bad thing, mm, right? Yeah. Like what else are you yeah. going to do? You know, if someone's tearing somebody down, someone can say like, hey, that's not okay. Mm, and yeah. still get the job done. And this is what I get fascinated by. I, at some point, went corporate and started working as a project manager in big places. And my last job was the Gates Foundation. Mm. And I went into that job with actually more of a personal uh, goal than like working there, right? Like Mm -hmm. probably one of the few people who wasn't like gunning to work at the Gates Foundation. Right. Um, It seemed like a good job. Um, And I think they kind of liked me for that. But I remember going in going, I want to learn, see if I can learn what it's like to be my authentic self. And that's my job right Right. now. And it will be my job to say when I'm uncomfortable or ask my boss a question or, you know, like take care of like whatever situation and say what I want to say, talk the way I want to talk. And I got to say, I went into that scared. Mm. Mm-hmm. I had awkward, uncomfortable moments, like intense, as you can at a job, anxiety, confrontations. Yeah. I mean, not everybody's nice at work, right. but I also went into it and I, this is what I had to do. I went into it saying, willing to be fired. And will you fun? <laughs> No, because that's the thing is you think, I think that's part of the fear. It's so good. And then that fearlessness is just emanates. So whatever interaction you you're going, it. it's like, I am untouchable because if you, yeah. you know, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, it reminds me of like like good job interviews are the ones where you don't, you just want to see if there's a yeah. fit. Yeah. That's all you care about. You you don't you're not trying to get the job at all. As soon as you're trying to get the mm. job, or you're or afraid that you're going to get fired, I, yes. I think it really does compromise mm. everything. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times when you're doing that, you never blame it on you. You you say, oh well, I don't have any choice because the man's making me like this, or you know, right, right. <laughs> I really need the job, so it's not my fault. It's like, well, I mean, we all can make choices, right? Yeah. The other thing that's interesting about what you're saying is, I do think the one difference I would say between a band and work that I can think of right away. You get paid. (laughs) (laughs) It depends on what stage you're at in the band, I guess. All right. (laughs) But I was thinking more about the fact that bands are closer to families Mm -hmm. in that you have these awkward moments where somebody just says something they really shouldn't say because they're mad and it feels like they're your brother or your sister. And you're like, well, maybe if you contribute more to the songs and I wouldn't complain about this. And then it's on, Mm -hmm. right? Like that. Then somebody throws a beer in your face. Anyway. So, excuse me. <laughs> you get that off your chest. <laughs> Not that that's ever happened to me, but the but at work, I would I know that this happens places, and I've heard the terrible stories. But you know, honestly, I think it's if you have a business that is more than a mom and pop, and you're allowing people to be disrespected at any level, yeah. you are you are blowing it. Like that is not yeah. something yeah. you should be allowing. People right. should not be calling people stupid at work. Mm. That's just oh my mm. gosh, it's. 
you know. Yes. Yeah, no doubt. We ask people on the show if there's any myths that they think need debunking. Do you want that from the rock and roll side? I, you, it's you pick. My pick. Yeah. Well, I could say from music that I think people have the idea that if you are in a popular band or you're in a popular artist, you know, what they see of you is you at the show or in, you know, in the advertisements or whatever, you know, but like mm-hmm. media wise, especially in this Instagram social media world, like it, your life looks amazing. But particularly around the live show, what I always thought people don't know was how often I was completely by myself. Mm. We would go to the show, you know, sound check, get ready by myself. Cause I'd maybe I just, or maybe you're with your friends, but you're like, okay, I'm by myself. I got to get ready. Play a huge show in front of all these people, engaging all that, done with the show, get in the van alone, dead by myself. You know what mm. I mean? Like yeah. it's not like the whole, your whole life is a big party. Mm. Right. You know what I mean? And, and to go from, I heard a great interview. St. Vincent did for audible actually. She did an hmm. audible thing and she was talking about the, fe- and I know you know this, what it feels like to be, get, get on tour and get used to tour because touring is a thing in a mindset. Hmm. It's like a bubble. It, it absolutely is. Yeah. Right. You get used to that and then you go home and the depression that kind of hits. Oh hmm. yeah. It's amazing. I, I, yeah. I, I, I've actually told the story oh, several yeah. times about how I was so happy to be home because uh, I was so burned out and I yeah. had the most weirdo addictive response 24 hours later, I was like, oh, I got to get back on. Mm-hmm. Totally. And it was, I'm sure it was just, you get addicted to all that energy. I mean, people clap, yeah. people applaud you every night. Yeah. Like, you know, that yeah. thing at the rock show when you finish the song and it's like, like you, you nail yes. the ending and everybody puts their hands up like this and screams. Yes. And I, that is one of the coolest things Who ever. Who would love that? Yeah. Take it for granted when you're on tour and then you go home and then you go to the, you know, like you, you wave to people and they're like, Hey, what's up, dude? You're back to every day. <laughs> yeah. You gotta go buy some milk. Ooh, that's exciting. Exactly. Laundry. Yeah. Yeah, you go get, check out a library book. <laughs> Did you ever have a moment too where you're sort of like, well, now what do I do? No. Like, you know, oh, yeah. what do I do oh, yeah. every day? No, no it's, it's, mm. it's 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 painful actually. It's like like even it's just so weird to even think about. It's very it. weird. It's it's. I know I've had this conversation with so many. <gasps> It's a widely dealt with problem. And I think it's one of the reasons why musicians are notoriously imbibing things. (laughs) Um, You're uncomfortable a lot of the time for many reasons. You know, what was funny. Another thing that was weird that I, a part of what I committed to was unraveling. Because when I stopped doing music for a living and went into corporate world, I kept my music stuff separate. Like I just didn't talk about it. I think I just didn't know how to talk Mm, about it. Right. right, Or was shy. I got a little bit of the Scandinavian sort of like, "Mm," Mm. you know, like, but it left me really really split like two carries, right? Right. You know, like, Mm -hmm. where did she go? And the more the years went by, it was like, where, where did I go? (laughs) So one of my things in Seattle, especially at this job was because I would end up in jobs Mm -hmm. and I'm working with people who are younger than me, who went to high school, went to college, and now they have a job, right? And so they're, you know, they're sort of asking me like, what did you do in your 20s? And I was like, (laughs) and it left me really lonely. I was like, well, I toured, I opened for Iggy Pop, Oasis, Pearl Jam, like, what'd you do? And they're like, yeah, you know, I just felt alien. Carrie, if people want to learn more about what you've got going on with your consulting practice, where would they find you? They can go to karyokrycreative.com. I also have a private Facebook page called Karyokry Creative. Mm-hmm. They can come and join that. Oh, hmm. If they want to see music, everything I have is on iTunes, Spotify, you name it. And there is a YouTube channel for Karyokry. Nice. Awesome. And, and you have a and you have a podcast too, right? And I have a podcast called Between You and I. Nice. Right. Oh, that's good. That's right. really cool. So cool. So cool. All that's right. Fun. Listen, Carrie, it was really great talking with you today. So much fun talking to you guys. Thanks, Carrie. Bye. Bye. 
for joining us at the Recombobulator Lab with Chris Dominic and Jason Graham Nye. Catch you next time.